broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, on Rock Radio UK, the Blues Channel, you are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu, and I've got a great show for you today. Today, our featured artist is Gina Cecilia. She's got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And of course, we'll be talking to Gina at the top of the hour. You're not going to want to miss that interview. Now, this is the voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, and so much more. In the meantime, I got some great new music I know you're going to love. And of course, I aim to misbehave.
a bone I'm so crazy about her I can't leave this girl alone Katie Lynn When can I see you again? Singing this song So you can hear me It's been so long 
did I do wrong to cause you to leave me? Since you've been gone, I've done nothing but grieve. What you want me to do? I'm lost without a you.
Winter's closing in I feel it on a skin Almost born again When service is rendered You know the bourbon gets stronger Till the day don't feel a single thing She burns me down again And the cold comes racing in Services Those up 
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Gina Cecilia. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. I never was good enough to be a saint I never had a day that took my name Always stumble over my best lines Can I be your valentine? I don't know half as much as I need to know I haven't gone half as deep as I want to go I still can't recognize the most obvious sign Can I be your valentine? I say I do, I do until I'm blue There's nothing hidden there But I get 
Cecilia from her brand new release and we got Gina on the line right now. Hey Gina, how you doing? I'm doing well, Richard. How are you? You know, I'm doing pretty good. Now, um, you've been on the show before um, but it was a long time ago and we always like to give our fans this opportunity to really get to know who you are as an artist and the best way to do that is to talk about your journey how you got to where you are today so give us the story of Gina Cecilia all right well I was born in Pennsylvania just outside Philadelphia that's where I was born and raised I come from uh, an Italian family my dad was born in Italy I have a lot of extended family there and um, it's a big part of my identity growing up I grew up in Pennsylvania lifelong music lover uh, my parents exposed me to wonderful music my whole life, and uh, when I was a, a young teenager, I discovered blues and soul and classic R&B and fell in love with it and kind of set my mind to to making that kind of music and writing that and singing that. Um, I had always wanted to be a singer, but I kind of changed directions once I discovered blues music as a teenager and just began writing as many songs as possible and singing as much as I could and I um, did a little bit of recording in my teens. I ended up going to college. I went to Temple University and got my bachelor's degree in journalism, broadcast journalism. But while I was in college, living in Philadelphia, I took advantage of living in the city and I sang as much as possible and I put a band together and I did my first shows and I recorded a little bit. And then um, by my junior year in college, I had posted my new music on MySpace and uh, somebody named Richard Rosenblatt from a brand new record label called Viztone reached out to me. He sent me a message on MySpace and told me he liked my music. And and guess long story short, I signed with Viztone. And this was early 2007, and I became one of the first artists on the Viztone label group, a new blues label at the time, that was uh, run by Richard Rosenblatt, the former head of Tone Cool Records, um, along with Bob Margolin and uh, Chip Beagle, who was... Um, who was running Blues Review Magazine. So that really jump-started my, my music career, specifically in the in the blues world. And I put my album out on Tone and I started touring, and I signed with my first agent, and I did that for years. And um, I now I'm on my 10th album, <laughs> just about to release it, and and uh, it's been 15 years since I first signed with Tone and I was with them for a number of albums, and then I wanted to change directions a little bit and I signed with a label out in Los Angeles for five years called Blue Alon Records and released some albums with them and and, and toured and, and just kind of gained more experience and and uh, I, I also in 2013 I decided to move to Nashville, Tennessee which is where I still live and living my life and, and doing music here and um, you know I did my very best as did everyone else to make it through the pandemic and to, and to stay creative and stay focused and 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 keep motivated in my creative endeavors and I um, then in 2021 I started an Italian food business so I'm kind of doing two careers now I mean music is always my main focus and my my, my main passion but I am also running an Italian food business in Nashville so I have been able to combine the two 
and kind of merged those two endeavors in a way, and I'm just creating new 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 ideas and, and new ways of, of of keeping myself out there and, and staying creative and artistic. And, and then here I am today in, in Nashville. That's what I'm doing. So, okay. Well, in a nutshell, yes. What, what's the name of your, your restaurant now? Because I go there every once in a while, so I may stop in and have lunch or dinner there. Well, I don't have a restaurant. I don't have a brick and mortar, but it's, it's, I've been doing some catering and I okay. have some farmers markets and I sell wholesale. I I'll sell some food in, in in local markets, and I'm I'm also in the process of writing, filming, and editing and starring in my own kind of TV slash travel food show on public access TV in Nashville, and incorporating my music into that as well. So that's something I've been working on for a couple months now. Nice. Okay. Now yeah. let's let's talk a little bit about um, this new release. When you were putting this together, what was your inspiration for this? My inspiration, you know, this is one of the albums, uh, maybe one of the only albums I did where I, I knew that I wanted to make new music. I wanted to put something new out there, but I wasn't completely sure what I wanted to do. I, I didn't have um, a strong, uh, I didn't have a, you know, a, a strong goal before I did this album, but I knew that I wanted to work with Colin Linden as a producer. I had done a show with him in Nashville years ago before I even moved to town, and it was it was wonderful. And he's so talented and such a great guy. And and then I, I knew I wanted to work with him in the studio someday, but then he got really busy with um, he was working on the Nashville show on ABC, ABC as musical director. And then after I moved to town, I was releasing music and, and touring a lot. And we just really didn't get the chance to do it until 2021. And I knew I wanted to make another album and that I wanted to do it in Nashville, which I had never done before. I had never made an album in Nashville. So I reached out to him just to see how he was doing and and see, see where he was at and, and, and maybe if he'd want to get together and write sometime or, you know, throw around some ideas. And so we, so we got together and we decided to do a whole album together. And when we started pre-production and when we started, when we met up to kind of start writing and maybe figure out some material that we would do. We, we discovered that we, we had a shared love of old gospel music and spirituals and, and you know, groups like the Soul Stirrers and, and also Reverend Gary Davis. And, and we, we had a shared love of that music. And it's something that we had both loved but maybe never recorded as much as we would have liked to. So we decided to do some, um, some of that material, so some gospel and spirituals. And, and then uh, this kind of built kind of built the album from there and it grew around that idea and that shared affinity for of that, that kind of music so that's kind of where it started and, and then after that it came together pretty quickly which is exactly how I like to do things so um, that's kind of the story of this album okay now you're also known as a songwriter and mm -hmm. you know being in Nashville I mean let's face it that's a songwriter's <laughs> town uh, yeah. And they take it serious. I mean, you can't mess around when, it, you know, you say you're a songwriter, you best come with the goods. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Nashville has a very distinct way of of approaching that in that it's a job. It's a craft. You mm -hmm. have to do mm -hmm. it all the time. And, you know, every songwriter has their way of tapping into that muse. Some mm -hmm. have that Nashville mentality where you get up every day, you have writing times, you create appointments for co-writing, yada, yada, yada. And then others are very, you know, inspirational and, and kind of do it when the mood hits them. What is your process when you sit down to begin to write that allows you to tap into the muse? Right. 
You know, generally, I never sit down just with the intention of writing a song. I'm not one of those um, routine-oriented people that gets up every day and says, okay, I'm going to write for an hour this morning. Every morning, until I come up with something. Um, I, I don't do it that way, and, and, and generally when I do, I find it's kind of forced, and, and I'm not as inspired. So I, I usually wait until I'm inspired, and I and then songs will come to me, usually a lot of times when I'm driving in the car or when I'm in the strangest of places and I record melody ideas into my phone. I tend to write my songs a cappella, generally starting with the melody and mumbling lyrics. A lot of songwriters do this. And then sometimes using those mumbled lyrics to, <laughs> to build a song, the lyrics that made no sense at the time that I was just kind of singing a melody and putting something, some words to it. And then sometimes I'll build lyrics off of that. Um, but I used, when I was a younger, and I was a teenager, and I first started writing, I'd always start with lyrics. I would always have fill tons of notebooks with lyrics and then build a melody from there, but I've kind of found that when you start with lyrics, that always that has already kind of determined what how, what the, you can do with the phrasing, and maybe you're limiting yourself a little bit. And so I, I like to start with a melody. It's generally how I do it, and I, and I usually wait till I'm inspired. And usually I, I go on my songwriting binges when I'm about, binges when I'm about to record a new album. And I, I just get in this mode for several weeks where I'm listening to music nonstop, and I, and then just from there, I kind of inevitably get inspired to, to do my own writing. Uh, for some reason, and I think it's because I was busy with the Italian food business in 2021, and I was so preoccupied with that, I didn't do as much writing for this album as I would have liked to, and it just... I only wrote one song. It just wasn't coming to me. I wasn't in the right mentality to write songs, and I kind of decided, you know what, that's okay, because my past nine albums, I wrote 95% of the songs on them, and I said, you know what, it's okay to have an album where I only wrote one song, where I do somebody else's songs, which I've never done before, another songwriter. I've done sometimes popular covers, but never songs by another songwriter, fellow songwriter. So I just kind of let the, go of the idea that I had to write every song on this album, and I just chose the material that felt right and that felt good to sing. Okay. Because I love singing just as much as I love songwriting and, and vice versa. But so it felt good to just sing and, and interpret songs that I've always loved for years and had the chance to do. So. Well, that, hey, that's that's fair enough. Now you know you had mentioned that you like to start with melody, and you know every songwriter has their way of finding those melodies, whether they work off a groove or the chord structure or. Or, you know, just the cadence of the lyric, you know, kind of dictating where it should go. What is your go-to when you start looking for, for melodies? They just kind of come to me. Usually I'm just singing, like, just nonsensical things, or I'm singing along with the radio or singing along with music, and something will come to me. Um, it's, and it's usually just a cappella. Um, and that's how I, I build most of my songs that I, that I write. Okay. Just kind of hum random melodies and... And something comes to me, and and sometimes I'll, I'll get different things, different melodies, and I'll make a bridge out of one of them, and the, the chorus out of another one, and the verses out of another one, and I'll I'll piece different things together. I've done that as well. But, All right. Yeah. Now you know uh, a lot of songwriters have embraced technology as tools in their writing, whether it's their okay. cell phone to capture ideas, or they have a home recording studio to lay out a structure to write to that. What are some of the tools that are in your toolkit that are, that are invaluable to you as a writer? You know, just listening to a lot of music. Listening to a lot of music. Um, 
reading. I, I guess you, the, more, the more you read, the better you'll write. You'll write. I mean, that's maybe not true for everybody, but listening to a lot of music and just absorbing as much music as I can and and um, <laughs> using my personal experience and, and just uh, and, and kind of trying to stick with a vision of how I want my voice to sound and how I want my music to sound. Um, that always hasn't happened, but it's, I don't know if I have any tools other than just music and, and listening to it and loving it. I, and maybe that sounds cheesy. I don't have a home studio, really. I have some gear, but I haven't really had the chance to set it up, and I would love to do recording at home sometime. Um, I, I can play some basic uh, chords on instruments, but I'm not really an instrumentalist, and I'm, I'm, I don't really write on guitar. I, I have in the past, but not anymore. So really, I just I listen to a lot of music, and I I sing as much as I can, and I just kind of wait for inspiration to hit and, and, and try not to drive myself crazy or be too hard on myself if I'm not coming up with Okay. <laughs> now, you know, uh, one of the, the most dreaded moments in a songwriter's life is when he has to put, he or she has to put the, the pen down. You know, and mm-hmm. and claim the song finished. You know, because you can write the hell out of a song. In fact, you can suck the life out of it out of it if you're not careful. Um, mm-hmm. How do you determine that moment where the song is ready to move into production? Allow the producer and the musicians to kind of get their hit on it. Mm-hmm. I think you just kind of follow your instincts, and I, you know, I, I am not the most methodical person in anything that I do. I like to work quickly. I tend to kind of mentally move on from something very quickly. I I don't like to spend a whole lot of time on one song. I, I lose interest very quickly, and I, I often feel like if I have to spend that much time on it, I'm probably overthinking it. I think the best songs and the best ideas come quickly, and they, they kind of come naturally like that. So I'm you know, maybe it would help me if I was a little bit more methodical and a little bit more detail-oriented. I'm not the most detail-oriented. Um, when it comes to my singing a little bit, I am, but not so much with my writing. So I I, I do like to write quickly, and, and I just kind of follow my instincts, and, I, and when it feels right and it feels done, then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to, to the producer I'm working with or wh- whoever I'm collaborating with, and... And, you know, if they have a suggestion, they, they want me to add something or they think I should add a bridge, or then, I, then maybe I will. But I, I also don't like to overwrite, especially lyrics. I, I feel like I, I try to say as much as I can with as few <laughs> verses as I can, <laughs> um, if that makes any sense. I don't like to overwrite lyrics. I don't like to go on and on and on and on and on. Okay. Um, I, like, I, I like to keep it short and sweet. That's the kind of music I love to listen to as well. I, I, love, I love simple music. I love... Not necessarily simple lyrics, but being able to say get get your message across with as few lyrics as possible. I think that's that's an art. There's an art to that, um, which I guess is why writing jingles is so challenging. But get, getting to the point quickly, I like that. Um, and I like to write quickly and work quickly. I like to. Um, I, I I'm not. I could never be the kind of person that spends a year or two working on an album or on a project or perfecting a song. I just. I, I guess I just don't have the patience or the attention span to do that. <laughs> Maybe that's bad. Now, let's talk a little bit about going into the studio. Um, you know, mm-hmm. having a song gives you something to say. But going mm-hmm. into the studio creates its identity, creates its personality for not only the song, but also for you as an artist. And every mm-hmm. artist has their way of working in that environment 
to capture their sound. What is your process when you get into the studio that allows you to capture your sound? Oh, my process. Oh, jeez. You know, I, I just... You know, when it comes to my singing, like my... Well, I mean, vocals. you know, do you go into the studio, do you kind of put it in the hands of the producer, they lay out mm-hmm. the, the music tracks, and then you come in and sing, or you kind of go with the band and you play live from the floor? Uh, what's kind of, how do you work in that environment that that results in what you find to be your sound, your identity? Yeah, I, you know, I guess the process that I've, I've mostly followed is that I like to have as much as much material prepared as I can before going into pre-production and then uh, I, we I share my ideas and we have that part of pre-production we, where we're finishing the songs and planning the arrangements and I've, you know, I've never recorded an album live where I've, I've done my vocals at the same time as the band never done that before um, usually I like the band to record first and then I'll do uh, scratch vocals while they're recording and then I'll come back later on my own and, and really focus in on those vocals. And that's kind of how I've done it. That's how I like to do it. Um, I have nothing against recording live, but I just, I like to have that time to focus on, on getting the vocals as good as they can be. And But even but even so, without doing as, as too many takes, I, I, I kind of like to try to get it right quickly in, in just a few takes or not overthink it. Um, so, so that's usually the, the process that I go through when I'm making an album. Songs start with the songwriting, um, pre-production, um, getting the band tracks down, and then doing vocals, and then maybe adding some instruments to it at the end, and yeah. Okay. Now, let's talk a little bit about the lineup on this. Uh, who's playing on it? All right, well, it is um, Colin Linden. He's the, the guitar player and the producer, um, and I guess the, he's the, the my co-writer he wrote some of the, a lot of the songs on the album along with his, his wife and some other collaborators some of the songs are new some are older um, so he's he's the producer um, on drums we had Brian Owing um, he's a great drummer in town um, he, he did a great job and, and, and there's really just a couple uh, a few full band songs on this album much of it is just me on vocals and, and Colin on guitar and it's, it's very stripped down pretty simple there's just a few full band songs um, Kevin McKendry played um, piano and, and he played keys. Um, Colin's wife Janice, who actually co-wrote some of the songs on the album, she um, she played some organ and she also contributed to some some of the production. Um, yeah, and um, and I'm on vocals. And we, we also got the McCrary sisters to uh, to lend us some vocals as well. Um, and they did a beautiful job. They sang on a couple songs. They're um, a gospel soul group in, in town, and they did did a beautiful job. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's who's on the album. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about Viz Tone and Amy Bratt and that whole team. Uh, tell me a little bit about that relationship now as you're coming back to them. Yeah, well, it's, it's great to be back, and it, it, I feel like I've, I've kind of come full circle in a way, and, and I'm older and I, than when I started with them first, and I'm more experienced, a little bit wiser, I hope, I like to think. Um, so I, you know, it's, but it's been great to work with them again, and I feel, I feel right at home with them, and, and, and especially in the genre again, being, in, you know, because they're, they're so immersed in the, in the blues world, and 
Um, it feels it feels great to be working with them again. I've always felt like Rosie was has been such a, a wonderful supporter, and um, and just one of my biggest fans, and and just always felt like like oh, always welcomed by them, and and just right at home. So it feels great great to be working with them again. Yeah. Okay. And I now, also forgot to add that there's a Johnny Diamond is, is playing bass on the album. I, oh, we can't yeah, forget the bass player. My God. Diamond, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Now let's talk yeah. a little bit about um, uh, the business. The uh, okay. now you've been in this in the business a long time, and yeah. over the last twenty years, I mean, the digital revolution has really redefined the industry several times over, and we're now at a point where the consumer has really embraced streaming as a way to consume music. And for the consumer, uh-huh. it's it's a, uh, a no-brainer. You know, they're getting more, they're, they're paying less. You know, for the cost of a, a single CD, they're getting pretty much every song that's been recorded in the last hundred years at their fingertips. And the, the result of this is that the consumer no longer looks at recorded music as a product it's now uh, a service they expect to be available you know 24 7 on their phones how has this shift in perception affected you as an artist oh well it's affected me because i sell less music um i i make i make less money from music than i used to um, from selling music, <laughs> from selling CDs, and you know, I, when I started selling CDs in 2007, things were a lot different then. Um, even though the digital had already come along to an extent, and you know, Napster was, had already been around, and you know, there wasn't streaming yet. Nobody was streaming. There was, you know, what people were really doing was downloading. So you could still sell a lot of CDs, and you could sell them for twenty dollars at festivals. You would sell a whole lot of them, especially. So that has changed, and. And, you know, and also social media has changed a lot, too. Um, you know, there was only MySpace um, back when I first started putting out music, and, and which was, I, I still, I, um, I always say that there has not, never been a, a plat, social media platform since MySpace that has been so helpful to artists and so effective and, and beneficial to me. Uh, but MySpace was great, and, and, and social media changed a lot, too, and, and just constantly keeping yourself out there with new content, and and uh, I, I, everything has changed. Um, and I I understand that streaming is king and that pe- that's what people are doing, but I still have a hard time with it. I still struggle with it, and I have a hard time promoting it. I have a hard time promoting that I'm on Spotify or that I'm on different streaming services because that's not going to help me recoup the money from my... my um, recording expenses and from that's that's not gonna benefit me really i mean i i don't even know if, if i get new fans on streaming if they're going to come to shows i, I don't I haven't really seen streaming translate into a whole lot of uh revenue for me so it has changed everything for, for a lot of people for everybody right oh yeah i mean i mean let's face it the fact that you know the, the record companies went to all these streaming services and they more or less created deals that gave them a larger um, piece of the pie. And a lot of independent artists were given this take-it-or-leave-it kind of mentality from the streaming services, you know, based on what's left over, you know, after they take their profits, which, of course, they had to compensate again for what they gave to the record companies. So, you know, and, and this all goes to 
uh, kind of diminishing the music industry's middle class. And it's not just, you know, the musicians. It's all the musicians that work in studios, the engineers, the re- mm-hmm. recording studios. Once the the um, the revenue starts to diminish from recorded music, the creation of recorded music becomes less viable as a, you know, getting mm-hmm. your return on your investment. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think needs to happen in order to uh, rebuild this music industry middle class? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, you know, I really did. I, I liked the idea of I think what we were talking before about how fans are getting some of the revenue from streaming um, and how some artists are doing that. Um, there, it's almost like if you want, <laughs> if you want a fan to financially support you in any way, it's almost like there has to be something in it for them. Um, you can't just have the attitude anymore. Well, I'm an artist, and I and they should support me just because I'm an artist and because I have these and because I'm putting out music. They should buy it. They should give me their money. There almost has to be something in it for them, which I guess is why the GoFundMe's have worked for people because they get something in return. Um, People want to, I guess with any service that that people feel benefits them, they have to feel like they're getting something in return for their money. So I do like that idea of fans making, I guess, a small percentage of uh, streaming, of revenue from streaming. That's a good idea. I don't know exactly what what the answer is. I, you know, I've, I've actually been very pleasantly surprised, I have to say, this time around, now that I've been at the pre-order stage of my album for a couple weeks now, that I've sold a lot of CDs on my website, signed, autographed copies, and I've already been able to recoup the um, recoup the money from my manufacturing costs. And I've actually been very pleasantly surprised at how many people have pre-ordered a physical copy this time around. Um, very pleasantly surprised. I did not know what to expect. I haven't released... I, I released an album in 2020, but that was May 2020. It was during the pandemic. I That was... So you really couldn't, um, that's not really an accurate, um, you know, look at how, how albums are selling right now. But I've, I've actually been very surprised and very uh, grateful for how many people have, have bought an album, have bought a physical copy. And I don't know, I've, I've kind of been reading some different articles here and there about how there might be a small uh, resurgence of physical album sales. Um, and um, I'm not sure how we can keep that going. Um, I, I know that it's definitely a lot easier in the blues genre with the audience being a little bit older, maybe a little bit old-fashioned, and having the money to buy a physical copy. It's, I think if when you're in pop music and your your audience is, is teenagers, in, you're probably screwed in that regard. <laughs> no one's going to buy anything. But I think it's, it's a little bit easier for, uh, for blues artists to sell albums, especially at shows, and to, to the audience that's still sort of buying a physical physical copies. So uh, we'll, we'll see how we can keep it going, but I, I've been trying to just find creative ways and, and, and offering something in return for the pre-order. So I've combined it with my Italian food business, and I'm offering food products in exchange for the pre-order and things like that by mail um, Some that has my Gina's Italian Cuisine brand on it, that name on it. So... I've just been trying to stay creative in that regard. I wish I had all the answers for how we can keep album sales going or keep them <laughs> keep them alive, but uh, maybe I'll figure it out eventually. Well, and, you know, uh, it, it's interesting because 
let's face it. I mean, as much as, you know, these niche markets like blues and roots and so on and so forth, that our fan base is older and, you know, they still have CDs, but eventually that's going to peter out. Um, yeah. I mean, right now, the only place you can really go to buy a CD player is at a thrift store. Um, yeah. You know, you can't get it at Best Buy. You can't go to Walmart. In fact, you can't even get it in a new car. Um, right. You know, so, you know, the fact of the matter is once that hardware disappears, the software is not far behind. Um, you know, vinyl, of course, you know, is expensive to create. Uh, it takes a long time to get done because of the, the backlog. And it's a collector's item. It's just, you know, people mm -hmm. buy it, they get it signed, and then they go home and they stream it. Um, we mm -hmm. need to look at streaming as um, how do we revamp this to in, in order for us to get a uh, fair shake. And one of the things I know is that we need to eliminate these streaming services as owners of this type of business. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I that is coming down the pike is these blockchain streaming platforms like Audius, uh, like Emanate, which are yeah. claiming to give the artists up to 90% of the generated income and also pay the artist immediately upon a stream. And because they're decentralized on the blockchain, no one company can be in control of it. So the record companies can't come in and negotiate a bigger cut than the independent artist. You know, it would be a fair um, level platform where the amount of streams you get will determine how much you get. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think those that's, those are some great ideas, and I um, I would love to. And you seem to probably know more about it than I do, <laughs> but I love your ideas, and I, I I'm I'm open to it all. And any any way that the songwriters can make money from their music is, I, I think, and I think the devaluing of music and you know has has led to artists devaluing themselves a little bit too, and and maybe kind of created a, a, a slight kind of hopelessness in the idea that we can that our you know, we can sell music and make money from it and make a living from it and and that it's going to be worth something to people i think that it's kind of maybe lowered the the, <laughs> the collective self-esteem of, of artists out there i don't know but I, I hope we can get that back and 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 value our music just as much because if we don't then nobody else will and it, it's kind of part of the reason i'm, I'm not even pushing streaming on this one i don't even want to mention the word spotify i just i don't want to sell myself short and i i you know i want to make money and i i, I just and artists deserve to make money from their from their work and i don't want to devalue myself anymore that's something that i've you, can, you make the mistake of doing sometimes when you're younger and you're you're hungry for success and for people to just listen for people to hear you to appreciate it and and but if that if that leads me to devaluing myself and 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 not and um, and and that um, yeah, and I, not, yeah, I know, definitely understand you know, it. People see the worth in my music, and I don't want to do it. I don't want any part of that. So okay, yeah. now um, <laughs> you <Sorry> know, blabber. <laughs> <laughs> 
One of the things uh, that happened when the pandemic hit, I mean, let's face it, all touring got shut down. A lot of musicians, they, they, they were kind of, oh, how do we stay connected to our fan base? How do we generate income? And they started doing live streams. They started working their social media. They started, you know, of course, investigating their other interests and hobbies like you have your food. Um and they started documenting this on on social media, and what happened was is the fans really gravitated to this. They they almost looked at um, these types of posts and these types of of uh, social media platforms almost like a reality show. And they started to get invested in the artist as brands, as people, and mm-hmm. and who they are outside the stage. How yeah. are you negotiating this world of social media and in content creation? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I actually really love it, and it's something I've always enjoyed. I've never seen it as a chore. It's something that I've always enjoyed doing. I'm just keeping myself out, out there on social media, when, even from the MySpace days. And then I have always taken to Facebook and found it to be very beneficial. Twitter is the only thing I haven't really caught on to as much. I, I have a Twitter account, but I don't tweet I don't, um, sometimes I'll retweet something that somebody posts about me, but I, I, I find that better for more like, um, political or, you know, commentary. And, and so I, I haven't gotten into Twitter maybe as much as I, I should, but I, I've always loved social media and I've enjoyed it. And I, and I love taking photos and videos and putting things out there. And I, and, you know, both, uh, professional, my, on a professional level and, and personal, I, I love putting things about my personal life out there and my family and my background and, and I'm, you know, I'm getting married soon, and I and I love posting about all those personal things so that people can get to know me, and but also sharing my music, and I've, I've and I've, I've never been afraid to do that and to promote my music on social media. I know people use the word shameless promotion, but there's nothing, nothing to be ashamed about. You know, it's it's you're you're promoting your product and your art and your and and your work, and I and I've always enjoyed that, and I've always loved connecting with people on social media. And during the pandemic, I I tried. I, I, I stayed very active on social media and I tried to keep a sense of humor about what was going on in the world as much as I could, as much as I was appropriate. I, I did some, to promote my, I was in the process of releasing an album, great timing, but I, I did some live stream cooking shows from my home in Nashville on Friday nights. It was called Friday Feast with Gina. I think that's what we called it. and. And I would play songs from my album and also talk about the album and then create a dish. And it was kind of like a cooking show. And that did really well. That was really fun and gave me something to, to work on, something to, to create and, and stay focused on. And, and I just, you know, I just tried to stay current and, 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 and rele- relevant to what was going on in the world. So, but I, you know, it was, it was an interesting time for sure. And I'm, I'm glad that I did it. And I'm, I'm, I am glad that I released music during that time because it gave me something to do. So that was great. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and talking yeah. with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there an indie blues double shot from your new release. You guys are going to okay. love this, man. Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun. <laughs>
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Surrounds me 
every day we get upon a summer's kiss of love and adventure. Every doom that we fell into left a mark upon us too. Hatch forever as a moment we remember. Every hour of every day 
home alone Waiting by the phone You told me to meet you there How we end up here So the plans were made But then you made a change You've changed your mind again When will it end? We may have had a few, yeah Maybe more than one or two In the crowd running wild And I'm liking her style Then it all fades to black I don't think I'll be going back Cause when the lights came on She was in another zone I think I better let you know I just can't take no more It's been a strain on my heart Baby girl Just can't take no more Think I gotta let you go You're a stranger in my
The moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues?
side of the road Stunned and amazed By the sky full of stars He knew he was miles from his peaceful home But he could not remember Traveling so far Had chanced upon him at an intersection A solitary place And these tangled woods He asked me to point him in the right direction I answered as best as I possibly could You can't get there from here
yourself a blues band laying it down Well, it's the only juke joint for miles around Yeah, the music's nice and greasy and the grooves are deep Oh, you can feel it on down from your head to your feet Always a party going on down at Headhouse Square So boogie on down to the Twisted Tail Yeah, boogie on down here, baby, come on I'll take us on home, Mikey Here's the blues scale. Now you sing it with me. Breathe. Now let's try it like this.
time I saw Memphis It was through bloodshot eyes And it didn't seem that big to me Much to my surprise Well, it might have been the liquor Maybe it was all that gin But there had to be a reason For the shape that I was in I remember that I called you From a payphone by the road You said that you'd come pick me up But you never showed And it was three o'clock in the morning And I was standing in the rain That's the last time I saw Memphis And I never did again Graceland, at least that's what I thought. A limousine pulled up behind me, and I heard a voice yell, Stop! And I was locked into the gaze of a pair of steely eyes. He said, You come all the way to see me, let me take you for a ride. And now another might have faded at the possibility this was the ghost of Elvis. Was staring back at me For a moment I was tempted Just to get out of the rain But that's the last time I saw Memphis And I never did again in the car that rainy night Cause I took off like a rocket Fearing for my life I hit the dirt running Just as fast as I could go oh, When I stopped I swear I heard his laughter down the road And I could still hear that voice inside my head And that's the last time I saw Memphis and I Never did again That's the last time I saw Memphis in And that's the last time I drank gin
The preceding program was recorded earlier so the producer and cast didn't have to walk home in the dark. I ain't no coyote, but I'm howling in the night. I ain't no coyote, but you got me howling, 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 howling. I didn't come here to kill your dogs. I didn't come here to make you afraid. I'm just looking for some warm feeling. Don't make a fire cause I'm run away I ain't no coyote But I'm howling in the night Ooh, I ain't no coyote But you got me howling, 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 howling Is it my cry that disturbs you? Or maybe is it only the truth? That ain't a witchy woman And you know I can't cast a spell yet I'm sure no devil but I know hell
Again. 
that's it. That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingthescene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on this show tonight. Add them to your playlist and you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadou. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Doctor things left on with my friend. I gone, lost my dog, I'm alone. Just called somebody. I mean, found it funny. I got knocked in the head, man, by old friends. Now lying here, think I'm dead. Drink so long. Gonna drink for the old damn time. Gonna keep back in the sea. No.